I thank you all for joining me on this journey that is the Our View podcast. I premiered the podcast in June of this year, and the goal was to share more about myself, my story, my life of living with spina bifida, and also to share the stories of others who live with disabilities, their life experiences, their challenges, and their triumphs. I am excited for what is to come for Our View and this podcast in 2021. I already have my first guest booked for January, and I will be making that announcement soon. Disability is defined as a physical or mental condition that limits a person's movements, senses, or activities. This means that a mental health diagnosis by a doctor in itself is enough for someone to say they have a disability, as long as it limits one of the person's movements, senses, or activities. While my previous episodes of the podcast have focused strictly on physical disabilities, I wanted to utilize this last episode of the year to address mental health, not just how it impacts those with physical disabilities, but how it impacts all communities. Something important worth mentioning is that those who have been diagnosed with a physical disability, that is something that impairs their vision, mobility, cognitive function, or hearing, according to an article by Healthline.com from earlier this year, they are more likely to experience depression and suicidal ideation due to risk factors like abuse, isolation, and poverty. Another risk factor for increased diagnosis of depression within the community of physical disabilities are a lack of strong social relationships. Gratefully and humbly, I have not had severe instances with depression, anxiety, or any other mental health diagnosis. Yes, I have experienced times of sadness and anxiety that were related to my disability diagnosis, but I let those moments happen. I acknowledge them, and thankfully for me, they do not last too long before they pass. However, as I am recording this intro, it is Tuesday, November 3rd, and I think that we all can agree that 2020 has been a year to remember. It's had its own unique set of circumstances that have challenged us in ways that we have never experienced before. I've celebrated with friends and close family who gave birth to babies. I've cried with family and friends who have lost relatives and friends to death, the COVID-19 pandemic, sheltering at home. The list can go on and on about the many ups and downs, positives and negatives of the year 2020. Again, I say humbly and gratefully that through it all, my friendships and relationships have remained strong, and in some cases, they have even grown stronger. The support I have had throughout my entire life has continued throughout this year and has been a big part in helping me stay positive. This last episode of our first season of the Our View podcast is unique compared to the other episodes in that it is broken down into two parts. In the first part, which you are about to listen to, I welcome my guest, Jeanette Machnes. In this portion of the episode, Jeanette tells us her story of living with mental health diagnoses. This is a content warning. Throughout this episode, my guest and I discuss topics related to self-harm. This topic is not intended to offend or to be a trigger for anyone. Jeanette has graciously chosen to share her story and her experience, and for that, I am extremely grateful. As always, we advise our listeners and subscribers to take care and to stay safe. Hey everyone, my name's Jeanette Mocknes, and on this episode of the Our View podcast, I'm going to share my story. In this episode, you're going to hear mention of some medical terminology that includes major depressive disorder, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and borderline personality disorder. Try and say that five times fast, right? But for the listeners who are unfamiliar with these diagnoses, 
I want to provide a brief definition of each. Anxiety disorder. With anxiety disorder, there's feelings of worry, anxiety, of course, or fear that are strong enough to interfere with one's daily activities. Major depressive disorder. With major depressive disorder, or MDD, there's persistent and intense feelings of sadness for an extended period of time. OCD, or obsessive compulsive disorder. With that, it's a disorder marked by fearful ideas and ritualistic behaviors, with obsessions being repetitive thoughts or impulses. Although the thoughts are intrusive and unwanted, the person with OCD cannot stop them. Compulsions are repetitive behaviors people with OCD feel compelled to perform in an attempt to control or decrease the anxiety created by the obsessions. PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. This is a disorder in which a person has difficulty recovering after experiencing or witnessing a terrifying event. Symptoms of this disorder may include nightmares or unwanted memories of that trauma, avoidance of situations that bring back memories of the trauma, heightened reactions, anxiety, or depressed mood. And last but not least, borderline personality disorder. This is a disorder that's characterized by unstable moods, behavior, and relationships. Symptoms include emotional instability, feelings of worthlessness, insecurity, impulsivity, and impaired social relationships. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, for joining me for this uh, episode. I really appreciate it. So for, for my podcast, I have... Um, all of my previous episodes, I've highlighted um, people with physical disabilities and talked about their stories and what they're doing in life. Um, and, and that's really why I started the podcast, just with everything going on and uh, just the, the tough time that a lot of people have faced. I wanted to wrap up the year with um, uh, an episode that focuses on mental health and awareness of mental health and uh, just how people can recognize, um, you know, what types of uh, diagnosis are out there like depression um, and recognize when they're experiencing some things, although it, it does look different for everybody. Um, but just to shed some light on it, because I feel I, I majored in psychology in college and um, it's still mental health is still something that people don't know much about. They don't talk about it. And um I wanted to give a chance to uh, to someone, to yourself, to you know share your story and um, just to let people know that you know it's okay and you know it, and it's it's really uh, it's a real thing and and that people live with it every day and people um, you know and, and how it affects uh, certain you know certain people. <laughs> yeah, you know I love that because you see now everybody is struggling. I actually had my brother um, message me a couple months ago and was like, I'm so sorry that you have to deal with this every day uh -huh. because being at home and being stuck in the same place and certain things that weren't happening, jobs and things that you normally do that keep your mind at bay weren't happening. So people that had never experienced depression before or any sort of mental health disorder or anything that really affected their daily lives started to affect it. So right. um, I'm, I'm super happy to be here, super happy um, to talk about it. Yes. Yeah. So if you could, yeah. um, 
you know, just, just talk about, you know, who you are, introduce yourself and just, um, you know, tell your story as much as you would like. So I'm Jeanette Machnes and I am 34 years old. I have my own photography business and then I'm also like a marketing exec, uh, marketing executive, marketing specialist during the day. So it's a full-time job and then the weekends are um, photography. And then I also in 2017 started a nonprofit, which is sort of great. That has been put on hold. It was for the homeless. Um, that has been put on hold because of COVID, of course. Um, in high school, my uh, sophomore year, my brother, my older brother passed away unexpectedly. And then senior year, my father passed away. So it was a lot of heavy stuff at such a young age. And at that time, I thought to myself, okay, I'm just sad because these things happen to me. And you go to your regular doctor at that time, it was probably still my childhood doctor. And um, he was like, okay, I'm going to put you on. At the time, it was Zoloft. And I said, okay, um, went off to college. And something just, something was off with me, right? I just didn't feel right, but I couldn't put it into words what I was feeling. Um, and then my sophomore year of college, I was speaking to, and I think this is where everything really just got set into motion as far as my mental health goes. I was speaking to my best friend at the time and he said, oh, I have this class tomorrow. They're going to be talking about abuse. I'm not comfortable with it because it's not something my parents ever spoke to me about. I was very sheltered, all this stuff. So I was like, listen, just go to the class. If you're uncomfortable, get up and leave and then you can explain it to the professor later on. After I had that conversation with him, I started having these really, really terrible nightmares um, about my brother, my older brother who passed away, um, who I was very, very close with, um, him molesting me as a, as a child. And I, I couldn't quite wrap my head around it. It didn't make sense. I thought it was just a dream, but they kept coming, they kept coming. So, and I'll remember it, I messaged my mom and I on AIM when AIM was a thing. And now that I look back on it, I probably shouldn't have messaged her because that's probably not something a mom wants to hear. But I said, hey mom, did Jason um, molest me as a child? And she said, yes. So that, made a lot of sense for certain things in my life. There were certain things that I did, and I'll, I'll go into it a little bit later, that, ex, that, ex, that this explained why I did it. So once I found that out, I had a really, really difficult time. Um, and I tried to um, kill myself with my Zoloft and like a bunch of aspirin that was um, in my dorm room. The moment I did it, I panicked. Um, told my roommate, told one of my really good friends, they took me to the hospital. Um, luckily it wasn't enough to really cause any damage. They gave me the charcoal stuff. And I was, I was, I was an adult, but they said, you can call your mom. Um, I called my mom, my brother, my other brother, um, Eric picked up and I said, you know, Eric, like, I'm going to tell mommy, like, I just, you know, tried to kill myself. I'm in the hospital and stuff. It, was, it wasn't just traumatic because of what I learned and because of um, you know, my attempt at suicide. It was traumatic the way people treated me after, right? I get called into 
um, the school that they called me in and they basically had interviewed all my roommates and my roommates' parents um, without even asking me about it. They interviewed them and were like, do you feel like she's a harm to you? Blah, 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 blah. And no, not a harm to, to us. But the school basically treated me um, very unkindly. Like I was some really awful human being that was gonna do something terrible in the school. At that point, I had a 3.9 GPA. I had no trouble at school. I didn't have anything on my record. So it was, you go to therapy or you're like, you're out of the school. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, and, and to hear that when you are already struggling, but you're doing so great at school and you're really keeping up with everything. And then you're like, wow, okay, so that's the case. So... I ended up going to therapy and I want to preface this with, this is not everybody's um, experience with therapy, mm -hmm. but I went and I, they decided that I needed two therapists, both of which were completely opposite the other. So it was very uncomfortable to sit in there with one therapist telling me one thing, one therapist telling me the other thing. Um, it, did, it was not helpful. And then they had my mom come in um, and my mom and I were really, really, really close. Like she was my favorite human being in the entire universe. Sadly, she passed away last year, but she came in and I really want people to listen to this part too, because I think it'll help them understand what their parents or their loved ones are thinking. We go, we sit down and the therapist asks her straight out why do you think Jeanette tried to kill herself? And my mom's response was for attention. I'm telling you right now, that was the most painful thing my mother has ever said. Um, years later, 10 plus years later, she apologized. Um, and she explained to me, and I didn't, I didn't get it at the time, right? At the time, you're like, that's my mother. Like, she really thinks that way. So then you go back in your shell of everything's okay because people just think I'm doing this, um, you know, you know, for the show of it all or attention. And she later told me she said that because she couldn't comprehend that her daughter was hurting so much and there was nothing she could do about it. Hmm. Um, and from that point on, I was very open with her about everything. I would call her. And of course, she'd be sad about it. Um, and everybody is, right? So as humans, we want to fix people. Um, you want everything to be okay, or you really want something tangible to say, all right, well, this can be fixed, this can be fixed. Unfortunately, with mental illness, that's just not the way it works. Um, so I stopped going, <laughs> I stopped going to those therapists um, about a year after studied abroad in Australia, was really wonderful in Australia, had a great time, um, was probably the best I've ever been. And I look back on that often and think to myself, like, if I didn't have family here, I would have stayed there. Things were okay. Why they were okay? I think just because I pushed everything down. Because the moment that I told my therapists um, about my brother, their response was, you have to be mad at him for what he did to you. Now, um, 
my brother was my best friend. He was older. I looked up to him. I wanted to be like him. Everything he did, I wanted to do. He played guitar. I want to play guitar. I couldn't be mad at him because A, I wasn't able to confront him about it, right? There was no, hey, Jason, why did you do this to me? And there was also, how are you supposed to be mad at somebody that A, has passed away and B, you loved so much? So at that point, I didn't bring it up until um, about four years ago. So in between that time, I knew I had depression. Um, I knew I had anxiety. Those were, um, you know, I was diagnosed with those. Um, then the four years ago when I was in the bathtub hysterically crying saying, I just don't want to do this anymore. Um, and I started therapy. My therapist said, um, on our first intake, she said on the forum, it was like, is there any, um, you know, sexual abuse, uh, in your history? And I said, yes, but on the form I wrote, don't want to talk about, like, I, that wasn't what I was going for. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so we started and she's very much, um, she was like, I'm not your traditional therapist. I'm not going to sit here. And, um, she's like, I'm not for everybody. And here's the thing. And this hits home. I, because of my terrible experience with my first therapists, I did not want to go back. But what I've learned is therapy is like finding someone that you're going to marry, right? You go on all these dates. Some of them don't work out. Why don't they work out? I don't know. It just doesn't fit. Your personalities don't fit. The way that they um, talk to you doesn't make you feel comfortable, right? So I sat down with my therapist now and I was like, this is it. Like I, I knew from the get go, like, this is, this is going to be the one. So I just want to say that because a lot of people that I've spoken to also are very much like, I don't want to go to therapy. I tried it once. It didn't work. And I get that mindset, right? I get it a hundred percent because I was there, but then I'm able to say, okay, I was there. I gave it you know, however many years now I'm back at it and I can't see my life without it. Like, I honestly think everybody should have a therapist just to have somebody to talk to that has no connection to anything else that's happening in their life. Um, right. even if you're not mentally ill, everybody can, um, everybody can really benefit from it. So I started going to this therapist, um, about four years ago and she said, um, she had diagnosed me, um, major depressive disorder, anxiety, um, and at the time PTSD, um, given the, the situation with my brother. So she made it very clear, uh, that it was going to be harder. It was going to be hard before it got easier. And you, because what happens is, and she, she explained this to me is your brain won't let you remember things until it believes you have the support system to handle it. So back when I remembered what had happened to me, I had the support system, I had friends, um, but then you know I went to therapy and they sort of took that from me. They took my mom from me because of what she said. My, you know, the suicide attempt took some people from me. Um, about four years ago, um, I guess four years ago now, I made the 
choice and it was a choice completely on my own to be really really open about my mental health struggles mm -hmm. because nobody else was so when i needed somebody to talk to and at the time i wasn't seeing a therapist i actually and i'll remember it to this day i was upstairs i was in the bath hysterically crying and my husband came in and he was like you know like what's wrong and i said i don't like i just don't want to be here anymore like i knew there was something and i felt these things before um but this was something more so i decided um that night we decided i would find a therapist and that was basically like my last ditch effort right it was either this works or it doesn't um luckily i am here four years later i just had a therapy appointment uh on um, monday night so i am still here so through therapy <laughs> i also was diagnosed with um ocd and um borderline personality disorder so it's just like a plethora. I basically have everything under the sun. Um, but I decided that moment when I went to therapy, I am going to be super, super open about my mental health issues. And I'm not talking about sharing a meme, right? People do that. You can do that. You can share the suicide phone number. And that's still great. Don't get me wrong. But I was to the point of, hey, guys, I was diagnosed. This is my diagnosis. This is how I'm feeling today. If anybody needs anything or they need to talk, you're not alone. You can come talk to me. And this is, you know, social media right now is, is great for that. You know, people can diss it as much as they want, but I've had so, more people than I can count that have messaged me or um, called me or um, emailed me or texted me about it because they realize these feelings that I'm having, other people feel them too. Um, mm -hmm. do, I, do they feel them the exact same way? No. But just um, for a little backstory, I had gone into my therapist one day. I knew at this point it was depression, it was anxiety, it was PTSD. Um, I went into my therapist and I said, I'm having a little problem. Like, I feel like there's a voice inside me. It's not, a, it's not like a random voice, it's my voice. I started going, and this is going to sound um, a little ridiculous, but I went to, and I'll remember it, I went to the quick check to get a Gatorade. And it, the voice inside my head, which was me, was saying, you need to pick the blue one or something terrible is going to happen. And that continuously started happening. I would be driving behind a car somewhere and it would be like, you have to stay behind this car or something awful is going to happen to your mom. And this was consistent. So I brought it up to my therapist and my therapist is like, oh, well that's OCD. It's invasive thoughts, it's part of OCD. And I thought to myself, you think OCD and you think people are cleaning. People are constantly putting things where they need to be because as a society, we use those terms so freely, right? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, I'm obsessive compulsive over this. Or, oh my gosh, I'm so depressed. Oh, I'm crazy. So you get this mindset of that's what it looks like without realizing that society has made mental health something sort of, I don't want to say a badge of honor, but they make it seem like it's a trend, right? So um, I started on medication for that and 
it's a constant battle with that to tell myself um, those thoughts aren't, nothing's going to happen, right? Like if you pick the other Gatorade, it's not going to happen. And there's like little times where I'll feel confident enough to pick up something, pick up the red one, go home, realize nothing happened and be okay. But then there's other times where I am literally besides myself because I'm like something I just decide like something's going to happen if I don't do this like it's not great um so then one time I was in therapy and my therapist mentioned I was talking about something and she was like oh well that's how borderline people usually um react and I was like well who has borderline she was like, <laughs> she was like, you do. And I was like, no, like you, she was like, I didn't, we haven't discussed this. And I was like, nope, definitely didn't discuss this. And if, if you know anything about mental health or, you know, maybe you don't even need to know it. Um, borderline personality disorder is villainized. Um, I went, I left therapy the moment she told me in tears because I was like, I'm done. I don't want to do this right now. And I left, I came home and for weeks I Googled um, borderline personality disorder and everything that pops up talks about us being um, manipulative and in general, just really terrible people. And I didn't go back to therapy for a couple weeks because I just, I couldn't get my head wrapped around that I was being um, categorized as someone that was manipulative or terrible or because I, in my mind and the people in my my life's minds, like the people that I spoke with, they're like, you're the furthest thing from that. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized, really realized that everybody's symptoms show up differently. Um, and that a lot of what I had done for since I was a kid was borderline personality disorder and it stems from a lot of borderlines stem from trauma in their childhood so all of a sudden everything started coming together um, she read a list of there's a list out there of however many and I think I was like one um, beneath the total so if it was like 31 I was I was 30 um, that that I can relate to. So that's something as simple as I take really, really hot baths, right? I don't like um, water coming down on my face. I don't like sand. These are all things that make absolutely zero sense, but have been recognized as borderline personality disorder um, habits. Um, Self-harm is, is one. Uh, I am um, a self-harmer. I, and I, just so everybody knows that isn't a, and this is a, a misconception too, is when we self-harm or, or, or the majority of people self-harm, I don't want to speak for everyone, we're not doing it um, to end our lives. That, that's not the point. The point is you have control over it um, and it's like a release, right? So it's basically the same as screaming at the top of your lungs. Um, but just, uh, uh, instead of, you know, it's a physical release, um, and an emotional release. 
So, yeah, so I started being super, super open about everything. Um, I decided um, the year that I started therapy that every year, so there's a Society for Suicide um, Prevention, AF, uh, Foundation for Suicide Prevention, AFSP, American Foundation, whatever, whatever it is, right? They do um, a overnight walk every year and they raise money um, for suicide prevention. So you all meet um, thousands, thousands of people get together and you basically overnight walk 18 miles um, in the dark till dawn. And there's um, a big celebration at the end and all this stuff. So I decided that every year that I survived, that would sort of be my celebration, right? I would go and I would walk with all these people that have experienced loss or have experienced suicidal thoughts themselves. Um, and the first year, my mom decided actually that she wanted to walk with me. Um, so she had to raise money as well. And I remember her, I wish I could still find it. You know, you write out a page about why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And she wrote out about how she years ago said something very hurtful because she didn't understand. And now, because I'm so open about it, she understands it so much more. She wants to be there. Sadly, given um, her health, she wasn't able to do it. So my husband um, jumped in and it was, um, it really was wonderful. Yeah, people are often like, how do you do it, right? Um, and that's not just, you know, it's how do you do that from everything you've experienced in life? And how do you do that with your mind being so cruel? And sadly, my mind is extra cruel. Um, I am chronically um, suicidal to the point every day I wake up and it's at least a thought once, right? And that's not to say I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to, you know, I have a plan. It's just the, that is always an option for me. Um, so for me, I have to work 10 times harder to get out of bed, right? And be productive. But what I found is for me personally, being productive is so very important. And it's because then my mind can't tell me all these awful things about myself, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't hear, you know, that I'm terrible or that nobody loves me or that, um, you know, the world would be better off without me. I don't hear those things. I hear, okay, I have this to do for work. I have this to do for photography. I have uh, this book to read. And ev always being productive is really, really beneficial for me as well as um, being really uh, good with your medication. Um, I am on um, four medications and you can, the moment you stop taking them, uh, first off, don't ever, I don't know who's listening to this, but don't ever just go cold turkey. It is not good. It could actually cause really, really serious harm. So please don't do it even if you're feeling what a lot of people do is they start feeling better and they say, then I don't need this, right? Mm -hmm. Not realizing the medication is why you're feeling better. So keep doing it, keep doing everything you're doing that makes you feel better. Um, and I, I really think that connecting with other people and being someone 
that people can come to. So for instance, I had a high school friend come to me a couple weeks ago and uh, my mom's anniversary, first anniversary of her death was coming up. And she said, listen, I know you're going through a lot, but my mom um, called me and basically said, I can't do this anymore. Hung up the phone. The cops had to find her. They put her in a, in, um, a suicide hold. She won't talk to any of the family. She doesn't trust them, but she trusts you. Would you mind speaking to her? So, yeah, I'm going to talk to her. You know what I mean? I don't care if I have 8 million things on my plate. If somebody needs to talk about mental health with me, I will give up anything I'm doing for the simple fact that it is still so stigmatized, which baffles me, right? The numbers of people that have depression or have anxiety are staggering. So the fact that people still can't say, I'm depressed or I'm having a bad day or have those feelings and openly express them really baffles me. And I don't know what we can do as a society to get to the point where people can talk about it, where people can say, instead of me having to make up some excuse that I can't go to work, right? Some some health excuse mm -hmm. I could easily just say I need a mental health day I'm taking a mental health day without someone being like well you know you could have came into work you could have done that um it's also super important to have a really um good support system I am 100 um, I I am indebted to everybody that is still in my life right now um because it, it's not, it's ugly, right? There are days where I, I'll just lay in bed, I'll just cry, I'll scream, and I'll, I just, I don't wanna see anyone. Um, I wish there were words to put what it feels like. Um, sadly, there aren't. Everybody describes it a different way. I know I've heard people describing it as like being in a bathtub without any cold, without any water, with cold water. Like, um, uh, but I am, I am super thankful that a, I started using my voice um, about it because it's helped others. But b, that now because I've expressed it so much that people in my life now know um, the signs, right? Mm -hmm. So my husband knows if I do a certain thing that, okay, she's about to have like a major breakdown, um, you know, call the therapist. My therapist knows that when I, <laughs> I call her and say, I'm not coming in today because I'm in a really bad place, that she should check on me like the next week and make sure I go to therapy um, the next day. I just, I want to live in a world, right, where I can be somebody, you know, somebody has cancer, right? Nobody judges them for it and says, this is your own fault, right? I am sick. I, everybody that has a mental health issue is sick the way that and here's the thing too that really bothers me and I guess this explains my comparison is people often say and it is I don't get mad easily but if somebody says this to me I get very angry um suicide is selfish 
right? I don't believe it. Um, I don't believe it because I've been there um, first. I, I'm there every day. But second, if somebody has cancer and they've smoked their entire life, right, and they die of lung cancer, nobody's going to go up to their family and be like, wow, I can't believe he did this to you. That was so selfish of him. Um, mm. They're, they're going to go and they're going to be like, I'm so sorry for your loss. This is awful. And they're still going to remember that person fondly. If I one day decide to take my own life, I also died from a disease, right? I didn't, I was not in the right mind um, to not take my own life. So depression, one, depression, every other disease, um, one. So what, that doesn't make me any different than somebody that has a terminal illness. Um, we are all living, if you have a mental health issue, you're living with a terminal illness on a daily basis. And it makes it worse because you're living with one that not only does society not understand, but science still has an issue understanding. Um, they don't know why certain things happen. Um, they've looked at brain scans, of course, and there are certain differences. But if you were to ask somebody, how does that medication work? They're not gonna be able to tell you, it just does, right? Why does an SSRI work on them, but it doesn't work on me? Um, and that's a thing too, that really is a struggle is the medication back and forth, right? So you can, one day something uh, can work for me, right? It cannot, it could make somebody else way worse. So the constant battle of having to figure out which medications work, and then if they don't work, you get violently ill if you're on, um, if you basically say, you know, I've been on um, some medication and got a new job and insurance didn't start up until say 30 days later. So I'm without my medication. It is akin to somebody having withdrawal from actual drugs. Um, you get these terrible, they call them um, like head, like it's like a head zap, right? So it's just, it, it, I hope nobody, I hope you never, I hope you never have to have it. You get that and you get the stomach issues and you just get um, terrible headaches and you can't function. So, you know, you deal with that too and it's constantly changing. So every, I would say every two years, um, a medication for me stops working and you feel it, right? Or at least I feel it. I, I know I'm getting bad again. I know my medications stop stopping and every time this happens, and it's like clockwork, I'm told by my therapist, by my friends, by my husband, go to the doctor, um, talk to them, get a new, new medication. At that point, I'm so angry that for the rest of my life, I have to take things to function like a human being. Um, and I'm, I get angry at the people that can just get up and be happy and not have to take these. And I'm so angry that I have to go through these trials of, is this one gonna work? Is this one not gonna work? Can I take it with this? Can I not take it with that? To the point where I get as low as I was that day in the bathtub, I end up going to the doctor, it's fixed. But there's always a fear of, is this gonna be the last time that I'm like, all right, let me try this medication again, or let me do this again, because it is so 
frustrating. And I think it's even more frustrating that you can't, I mean, I can be open about it now. I'm fine with it. I have, I'm not embarrassed of it anymore. Um, and that's, you know what, that's the problem is society makes you feel embarrassed about it. And that's, I mean, that's not, I mean, as, as simple as it is and as cheesy as it sounds, it's just not okay. Like, I shouldn't have to feel embarrassed about something that I have no control over and that I'm trying to get under control, you know? And I try harder than the majority of, of people every day to function. Um, luckily, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm part of a lot of groups. I'm part of, you know, I've heard other people that are to the point where like, they won't um, leave the house or they're agoraphobic. Um, I worked on a suicide hotline for a while and, you know, you hear those stories and those people and I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that I am functioning, but even with that, it makes it very exhausting at the end of the day, right? So I am a, if, if people didn't know my personal story, they would think I have the best life ever. Every job that I've ever had, people are like, you bring so much joy here. You're always so happy. How are you so chipper in the morning? And it's because if I don't, if I don't give that to people, then my brain is basically like, yo, bitch, you're, <laughs> you're in trouble. Like, like you're doomed. Um, so, you know, in a, in a way, I'm fortunate, um, certainly. But I think it took me a really, really long time to get here. Um, I used to be ashamed. I used to be really, really embarrassed. I would take my medication where nobody could see. Now it's open on my, you know, my bedside table. Anybody that comes to the house can see it. I, um, tell my, now my friends know, I, like if they text me and I'm like, no, I have to cancel. I'm just not feeling myself today. They're okay with it, right? But I, I think why they're okay with it is because I've been so open. So they understand it's a mental health thing and not a bad friend thing. Um, right. Yeah, so that was a lot to throw at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I've, I've considered... Um, I've considered doing a podcast on mental health and all that jazz. I, I, I just think, and it's been done. People do it. Um, I just think people need people that they relate to. Right. So it's sort of like you, um, in your situation, I imagine that being around other people that sort of have your same struggles is comforting in a sense, right? You don't feel alone and you feel like you have, this sort of group, this circle that you can trust and talk to and they understand it. Um, it is. And it's, it's so interesting though, because I had such a large family growing up, I really didn't see anybody that was like me though. <laughs> it, was so, it was the strangest thing um, to the fact that on, on one of my uh, episodes I put out uh, last month, I think it was, I talked about like going to a camp for people with physical disabilities and it was supposed to be a two week camp. I made my parents come get me after a week. You know, I, I don't have the same, uh, you know, things going on that, you know, more severe things that these other uh, campers had going on. I was like, I want to come home now. Like I didn't even want them to leave me there. 
it make it makes sense because there's severity in everything, right? right. Um, so I remember uh, a friend in college. Um, it was summer break, and I guess I said something that had scared him. So all of a sudden, police show up at my house, and they're like, you know, we got a call. Are you going to endanger yourself? And I wasn't. Like, I can say 100% I was not going to do it. Um, and the way they handled it to me was very archaic. Um, it did not make me feel comfortable. I knew the police in my town. It's a very small town that I grew up in. So they knew me. They knew my family. Um, they brought me to Bergen Pines, which I don't think it's called that anymore. And everybody knew growing up that Bergen Pines, this too, right? Everybody knew growing up Bergen Pines was where the crazy people go, like mm -hmm. the insane people go. So the thought that I was going there, I was like, no, like that's not me. I have it under control. Um, went there. And this, I, I assume, see, this is why people also don't open up or trust anyone or doctors, right? Or therapists. So I went there, they sat me down, um, they had a conversation with me and they were like, listen, we just want you to come back tomorrow. We're just going to talk to you about like options for therapy. So... I go back the next day with my boyfriend at the time. They bring me in a room and they're like, you have a choice. We either commit you and we commit you to wherever we want to commit you in this area or you're able to choose where you go. I didn't, huh? I didn't need to go anywhere. Wow. Um, their lack of bedside manner was atrocious. They basically just threw the option at me, said, go home and pack and then show up whatever hospital you want to show up or we're going to come take you out of your house. So um, I decided Hackensack Hospital was right by my house. They had a uh, mental health ward. If I had to, if, 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 if this was the ultimatum, I'm making the choice where I want to go. I went there and I thought exactly like you did at camp. I was like, I don't belong here. Um, there were people in the hallway screaming and people in the room screaming and um, like no one being like no one was getting attended to. And then I got put in this room where they took all my items um, to the point where they gave me like this gross turkey sandwich. Couldn't took all the um, they took you couldn't wear shoes with shoelaces, of course, given mm. I guess the circumstances. Um, and then they took away all the plastic cutlery and you couldn't have anything. And then a, a doctor came in and they were like, he's gonna like look you over, see if you have to stay, blah, blah, blah. What people don't know about mental health uh, individuals is we're badass, right? Like we have to battle our brains every day. So if I have to sit down with a doctor and get out of staying in this hospital, I'm gonna do everything I can to do it. So I'm gonna lie my ass off to you when you ask me, have you had suicidal thoughts? Do I have suicidal thoughts at that moment? No, have I? Yes. But the problem is when you say that, if somebody isn't well-educated or um, if they don't know you, they will assume the worst and think, well, you had them once, so you are now, let's put you away. And, and do what we have to do and, you know, see if it works. But 
I sincerely hope things have changed since then. This was in college, so we're talking 2005. Mm -hmm. So I haven't been, um, luckily I have not had to be committed in the past uh, 15 years, but that's not to say that I don't have, of course I have moments of suicidality and the difference is understanding each person's threshold of where their mental health lands, right? So mm -hmm. there are days where if it's on a one to 10 scale, there are days that I'm a three, there are days that I'm a 10 and my therapist says, do you have a plan? And I say, no. So unless, um, and don't take this verbatim, but it is almost, it is very accurate that if somebody says they have a plan, they are more than likely um, going to do it. So, which brings me to freshman year of college. So sophomore year was the, you know, I, I attempted suicide. Freshman year, I had a psychology class. Um, I didn't know what was happening again in my head. The doc, you know, the doctor at home was like, well, you lost your dad, you lost your brother. So of course that's what it is, right? To me, it felt like so much more. I had already, I had started cutting probably the senior, senior year of high school. Um, and it got really bad freshman year of college. My psychology professor, every day, every class, we would have to hand in um, a, like a, a short paper afterwards, just talking about whatever. I guess, and I, I wish I had, the, I wish I knew what the paper said. I don't remember what it said, but I am somehow involuntarily made my psychology professor very concerned. Um, uh, and rightfully so, I had a plan that I was going over Thanksgiving. I was going to spend it with my family. I was going to go back to school and I was going to, um, you know, there's a park, uh, Valley Forge Park nearby, and I was going to kill myself there so that nobody I knew had to find me, right? Um, I get a call over Thanksgiving break, my house number, and my mom said, it's for you, it's your professor. And I was like, what? And um, it was my professor to tell me, uh, just to basically say, like, someone cares I'm getting emotional. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he single-handedly saved my life um, that Thanksgiving break. He got it, right? He knew something was wrong, um, and he reached out. And I think that's what scares me about mental health being so stigmatized now, too, is that people are scared to ask people about it. And that's why there's so many suicides um, because people are scared to say, are you suicidal, right? It's like, it's a curse word that children don't wanna say. When in reality, if you ask straight out, a suicidal person will not be able to say no. Like if you say, Jeanette, are you gonna kill yourself? I, my brain isn't, if I'm at that point, is not going to allow me to say no. So, um, you know, I, I, I even, I just posted about it today is about knowing the signs, right? And there's so many different signs. Um, 
there's the giving away of things. There's also, and this one is sort of scary, but there's also if someone has been in such a bad place and you know they've been in a bad place and the next day you talk to them and they are so happy and so chipper and everything's great, be really concerned. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, they were so, so down that they made this plan and in their head, everything's going to be better once they kill themselves, right? Their life is, their life is going to be better. Um, you know, there's the hygiene. Um, luckily that, again, it's different for everybody. Luckily that is, you know, not an issue with me. I enjoy, um, being clean for me is, is, is important, but for other people, you just can't get out of bed to do it. Um, something as simple as, you know, someone's, daily movements um as silly as it sounds if i don't make the bed in the morning um my husband knows something's completely wrong um and that again it's something so simple but it's something that i do daily <laughs> that i'm so concerned that this bed has to look nice that the moment those things stop happening is the moment that i just don't i don't care anymore i i think the one of the many important things that you said um, even it, it's just to have conversations with people, to really talk to people, to really ask them how they are doing and actually listen <laughs> to them That's... and hear them, <laughs> um, you know, and, and just, uh, it's, it's such a shame even, uh, when you first in the beginning, when you first started talking of, um, the things that you found about, uh, the different diagnosis online. And just the, you know, the examples that, um, that are given to describe certain, um, you know, mental illnesses with depression or bipolar disorder or a borderline. And it's just, um, you know, it, it, it makes you, it doesn't makes you kind of like scared, like, oh no, like I don't, you know, I don't have that. That's not me. Yeah. Um, you know, but it is, it's different for everybody and it, it's just, um, it's just so important to talk to people and to really, you know, especially like through this last year, everybody has been, you know, people have lost their jobs and all kinds of things. And because of their jobs, they've lost their homes and, and all, it's, all, it's uh, terrible. It is. Um, and it, it's just, um, it's just so important to, you know, reach out to people and to talk to people and, um, again, to listen to them and hear them, what they're saying and just, um, you know, just, just to be there for people. I am, um, I'm so glad that you were willing to share your story, um, with me and, you know, we, we have a mutual friend and we like, we're meeting here for the first time through, yeah. <laughs> through a zoom call. <laughs> um, but it's just, um, like your, your story just really, um, really is important to share. And I'm glad that you're willing to, to share that because, <laughs> you know, as, as you hear, you see on the news that the numbers of people with depression and um, suicides and everything have gone up in the last year, it's still something very uneasy for people to talk about, um, unfortunately. And it's it just, you know, we have to make it a more common thing to talk about uh, with ease and not, uh, you know, not the embarrassment that people may feel uh, with it as you, you know, as you expressed as well. It's just hard to, um, it's hard to really get that, 
you know, to get through that, I think, uh, for a lot of people and society as a whole, uh, even though you see all the commercials for, you know, the medications oh, and things. And Don't even get me started on those commercials. <laughs> I am not a sad little ball hopping around. Right. <laughs> you know what, like, no, that doesn't, I, I brought, that does not happen. Those commercials, uh, they make me a little angry, especially because I worked in pharmaceutical advertising and I know what it's like, how in depth you have to get to those commercials. So the fact that people let that get through, I'm like, wait a second, that's, that's not right. But like, like you said, have a conversation and stop and really hear what someone is saying. Like how freeing would it be if you were having a crappy, crappy day and somebody does the normal, like you're at the office, oh, hey, how are you? How was your weekend? It was crappy. It was pretty bad. Not loving it. Instead of being like, oh no, it was cool. Like, you know, just hung out. Like if people were just honest about what they're feeling, I think then people would be honest about what they themselves are feeling. And for right. me, it's been a beautiful thing to see um, my friends or, uh, you know, and people on Facebook that I'm connected to really start opening up about it, right? So there's Suicide Awareness Month and there's Suicide Prevention Day and there's, you know, every month, you know, uh, mental health awareness month, depression, blah, blah, blah. And more people are posting about it. So while I can sit here and be like, wow, it's still stigmatized compared to where it was when I was in college is leaps and bounds better. Is it where I want it to be? No. Um, but I can see the people in my circle being more open about it and reaching out to me and reaching out to other people. And there's even people that I've never met, um, that I've met through like social media groups that I consider really good friends because mm -hmm. at my worst days, I can message them and say, at least I did laundry today and they get it right to a normal person. That's like, all right, well you did laundry. No, to me, that's huge because I couldn't even get out of bed yesterday. Um, right. so even just, you know, complete strangers become friends because you have something in common. And I think that's what more of the world needs really is to just understand that everybody has something. So just guys, and it's, it sounds so simple, right? To be kind, right? <laughs> it sounds so simple, but people have such a hard time doing it. They do. And I, I just, <laughs> and I just don't get it. And, you know, I have people reach out to me all the time. You're so strong for telling, you know, your story. You're so strong for being what you've been through. And like, I don't, I don't see it that way. Right. I'm not, I am not posting these things to make it seem like I am this woman that can overcome anything. No, I'm posting this so that the other people know that they can overcome it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when my, it's, it's, it's very difficult for someone with mental illness to deal with things in general, but like when really bad things happen, um, it's scary for us and it's scary for the people around us, right? And I say that to anybody that's listening that does have mental illness that, so for instance, when my mom passed away, um, she passed away last year, she was, when I say the most incredible human being on the world in the world she was she was the most selfless person she was everything to me 
I, it was my biggest fear to lose my mother. Um, everybody that's close to me knew that. Everybody knew how close we were. So the moment it happened, um, there were text messages coming in. I'm worried about you. Are you going to be okay? Um, it doesn't help that I did tell people that if my mom dies, I'm going to off myself like the next day. So it probably wasn't beneficial oh, no. for people to hear. Um, but reaching out like that from people that knew I would be struggling meant the world, right? And it didn't have to be a long thing. It was just a simple, hey, how are you doing? Hey, if you need to talk. And that's what a lot of people come to me and they say, listen, I'm talking to somebody that um, is suffering. Actually, uh, like two weeks ago, I got a message. It was like, um, my 13-year-old cousin is struggling um, with suicidal thoughts. Like, what am I supposed to say to them? And I said, well, what are you saying to them now? And she was like, you know, I talk to them like normal. And then I'm like, hey, if you need to talk, like I'm here. I said, that's what you need to do, right? So don't handle us like we're fragile, right? right. We're, not, we're not fragile. I'm <laughs> sure people hand, like treat you with like kid gloves. Right. Right? <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. It's, it's really, it makes us feel sort of crummy, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can, we can do this. Yeah. Um, so just have normal conversations with them and then interdisperse like you matter, you know, like you're good. And I'm super happy because I put out so much over the past four or five years that now if I put out, um, I put something out today, it was a post secret about um, someone saying that at their work office, they would be so sad if someone committed suicide because they didn't see the signs. And the person that wrote the postcard was like, guys, I'm here, like, these are the signs. So I put that out there and I was like, guys, let's have a conversation. Let's have real conversations, like ask people. And one of my friends messaged me and was like, hey, just want to check in, are you okay? I don't want to miss the signs. And that means the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, so do those things. They're little, we're, we're not asking, for a lot nobody's asking for anything except to feel like they matter like it would matter if they weren't here and that's just in a general sense you know what i mean like that should just be a general practice of checking in with the people you love um and if someone's struggling just check in a little harder right wow that's a that was good Oh, yes, that's a, that, oh, I love that. <laughs> Check in a little harder. <laughs> that is so, and it's so true. And it's, mm -hmm. it, it goes, you know, what you were saying um, of how, how far it's come since, you know, since you were in college, you know, 15 years ago. And um, you mentioned something about, uh, you know, if you, if you have a job and you can just say like, I need a mental health day, uh, you know, that would be great. Uh, if the day that happens, I'm literally going to take off that day every year and be like, it happened. Right, it and happened. Like celebrate it. It is. And it's so true because, um, you know, I, I, I was telling you uh, before, it might have been before we started recording, um, I was telling you like this morning because it was so cold, like my body was just aching, you know? So it's just like, yeah. And thankfully, I've always, um, the job that I have is it's always been a work from home job, uh, thankfully. But, you know, I think about those kinds of things. If I had to be to work at nine o'clock, like it might not happen. Like I, I can make it there by 10. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> and you should, 
you should be able to say that, I think, for any disability, right? Right. You yeah. should be able to say, I need a little more time or, um, right. you know, um, I, can't, I, I can't get in there at this time today. I remember there was a time where I was going through a, a difficult period and it's tough to get out of bed, but I would get up and I would go to work and I would show up a little late um, and my boss called me out on it. And I was so embarrassed um, about why that I just said, okay, I got up and I left and I made sure to like set my alarm for super earlier. And then I guess a couple weeks later, we had a one-on-one -on -one meeting and I was like, listen, I just want to let you know um, the reason I was late was because I wasn't doing well mentally. Um, so I apologize for that, but I shouldn't have to apologize for that right that should be something that I can say and say yes I'll do better or I'll stay later at work right mm -hmm. there should be there you just shouldn't feel punished yeah for not feeling well and like you said um, there shouldn't there shouldn't have to be an apology attached to it like hey here's no. what happened no, <laughs> you know and that's should, the yeah. end of the discussion here's what happened that's why I was late you know. Yeah, exactly. There shouldn't. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have to apologize for it. Yeah. And sadly, like we are at that point where people are apologizing for it and they have to do it. Um, you know, but to be honest, if I would have, if I thought back when I like 2005, if A, I would have been here, definitely not. And B, if I would have been so open about what I'm going through, not in a million years. Um, but I look back on it now, I would not change a single thing. I'm actually still, um, I'm still in touch with that professor. I found him on Facebook. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> so I thank him. Uh, I thank him every now and then just saying, hey, thanks. I know my mom uh, was very thankful. My family was very thankful. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, and I've seen what happens to people that don't have someone to talk to. I mean, my brother Jason was uh, suicidal and he let me know after an attempt that that's what it was but he would not tell my mom um or my father instead he said oh i got in a car accident um you know whatever and then he told me the truth so i was aware of that stuff very early on like freshman year sophomore year of, of high school um but that too is i don't think i ever i never learned about it in you know they never talked about it in grammar school um, probably because I went to a Catholic school, so they don't, they did not, they definitely did not talk about that sort of thing. Um, in high school, they had an assembly that I remember, but aside from that, there's not much, and I'm sure it's, I, I hope, I hope it's different now, you know, um, a lot of pop culture um, address it, uh, TV shows address it, All and right. especially like when celebrities, um, kill themselves, I think, and sadly, this, this is true, I think it brings more light to it, right? Um, Robin mm -hmm. Williams, for instance, yeah. everybody knows, you know, this guy, oh, but he was so funny, he was so great, Anthony Bourdain, he had everything in the world. Mm -hmm. That's, guys, that's the thing, it doesn't matter what you have, it's literally a disease, just like anything else that can kill you. Um, and I think, I think people, people have a misunderstanding that we choose this way, right? And it's very much like, oh, well, you could be happier if you do this, or no, 
that's not, you know, that's not it. Um, it doesn't work that way. I, I really wish it did. So mm-hmm. he's like, you can be happier if you just, you know, uh, if you just try. And trust me, I try everything. I have uh, positive quotes everywhere. I say all that stuff. I, you know, I, I, I do that, but it's not that simple. Um, it sadly will never be that simple. And I just want people to, to not be judgmental about it. And thankfully, and here's the thing, if you are in the situation and you have people that are judgmental about it, get rid of them. It's not healthy. They're not going to help you be around people that love you regardless of like, how happy you are or how sad you are or how much you need help just dudes just surround yourself with good people it won't cure you but it'll make things way better yes that's so true it's um you know our 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 diagnoses are different um you know but that is the the really big thing for me of surrounding myself with good people and you know, that, that really makes such a, a huge difference. Um, you know, the people that are there to support you and the people, like you said, that just check in on you and, you know, they'll, you know, they, they're really just there for you and, and having, a, you know, the support system has really been a really, really big thing for me, um, you know, that has helped me through, you know, my, my uh, tough days and, and stuff. But <clears throat> have you found your situation to make it so you do have like bad mental health days do you think yes sometimes not um not consistently and um nothing that you know that lasts more you know than a day like when cold days are really bad and being in new jersey you know it can literally be 65 one day and 40 or or 30 the next yeah. day and the it's next not morning consistent, that's for sure. so there yeah there's no consistent weather here in uh great state of new jersey um <laughs> no. so i could no. be totally fine and then you know the next morning where everything just aches and it's just like okay i'm i'm you know i'll i'll get out of bed and, and it really gets frustrating for me and it's just like uh like like why why are things this way like i could yeah. just you know i wish i could just get up and go and uh you know, and even like I, I wear braces on my legs and uh, use crutches and a wheelchair. And um, I met somebody for lunch outside uh, for my birthday last week. And the waitress, you know, she was, you know, joking around like, oh, well, what took you so long? I said, hey, it takes a whole lot to get this shit together <laughs> and get moving. <laughs> I said, this is not just put together in seconds. This doesn't takes, happen overnight, lady. No, this <laughs> takes hours to pull together. <laughs> and like, that's the thing too, is I can't understand what you're going through, right? Because I'm not in that situation. So that seems a lot easier for people to be like, okay, well, I don't understand. Um, but I can see that's what it is. You are physically right. Yeah. You can't can't miss me coming. Yeah. You can't miss it. Like it's the crutches, the wheelchair. (laughs) You you can't miss it. (laughs) It's like all out there for you to see. It just, <laughs> it is, and and you that is. Hide those things. But, uh, it, <laughs> but um, it really is. Like, it's it's just a thing of like you said. You can you can see me coming. You know you can you can kind of figure out what my condition is and how it affected me. I'm in a wheelchair, yeah. so that must mean I have trouble walking or can't walk, or I'm using the crutches, so that must mean I I have a mobility 
type of uh, situation going on. Um, yeah. You know, and for, for mental health, that's not the case. Like, you don't look at me and be like, like, there's no fact, there's nothing on me or anything that says, okay, well, she has, you know, um, you know, depression and all of that. So, but right. the, the understanding and the respect should still be the same as someone that looks at you, can't really understand what you're going through, but empathizes with it, right? Sympathizes with it. And Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, we have to be more like that too. So power to you because you're 39 and you were not supposed to make it past 15. Yes. Yes, I am. Um, I'm grateful. It's really just, um, you know, but it goes back to what I had said, like the, the support system of just, um, you know, my large family and, you know, having a bunch of cousins who were, you know, my friends growing up and, uh, living in a small neighborhood really helped me. Um, that really helped because we were able to know the families in our neighborhood and they were able to, you know, um, get to know what my condition was, what it meant, uh, you know, how they could, uh, you know, how, how I could still be invited to parties and things because it didn't impact me in such a, you know, an extreme way where I couldn't socialize with other uh, kids. And uh, it just really, you know, it's, it's every day I, you know, try to, uh, you know, like you said, be kind to people and uh, just do some good in the world and just, uh, you know, be very grateful for you know, for my time here, it's just like, not every day is great. Like I said, I have some pain, um, you know, but that, and that's with everybody, not everybody has some bad day for one reason or another. Um, and it's just, um, you know, to extend that, like you said, empathy and sympathy to people to just, um, to let them be. And, and, you know, like if I'm having a, a bad day and, and, uh, you know, if I'm supposed to go out with people and it's just like a day where I'm not, moving like I should. It happened to me on, um, on Thanksgiving, actually. I, because of this uh, pandemic, I haven't been wearing my braces as often as I was before. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever I put them on, my body's kind of like, what the hell are you doing? Um, <laughs> Get these off. Yeah, what are, the, what are these things? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, get them out of here. And it's like, I go to move and like my legs just don't move. And I'm like, okay, like we, like we're supposed to like, let's go. Come on. Let's this move. isn't happening today. Right. <laughs> the funny thing about that is I can usually... I can usually hide it. Not that I hide it on purpose, but I can, I can move, maneuver myself enough that people don't notice, don't recognize it. I just couldn't hide it on Thanksgiving. And they saw this look on my face and they were just like, whoa, what just happened? I'm like, nothing. They were like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Want to try again? (laughs) Well, you know, what's so funny is sitting here speaking to you is things you say. It's so like, if you were saying it about mental health, I would hear that too, like, oh, I just, you know, I was trying to hide it and I couldn't and people noticed it. It's the exact mm-hmm. same thing. It is. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm just I'm honored to like meet you. Yay. And and once this all clears up, we will meet in person. We have to I'll bring you a I'll bring you an old birthday cake. <laughs> I'll tell Violet. I'll be like, Violet, we're just gonna stop there, but we're gonna stay more than five minutes. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so we definitely will um, meet in person, and um, it's been great um, hearing your story to talk to you, and um, 
you know, thank you again so much for, uh, for just being so open. I think this is part of, um, you know, this is how we start to change things. And this is why I, um, my mission of creating our view is to educate, raise awareness and change the tone of conversation about disability. I love that. And that's what, this is how we do it. You know, we talk about it, we have to talk about it and get it out there and, and put, um, you know, put a face to it, put a, a, a real life to, um, you know, to all of these diagnoses, whether it's a physical disability like spina bifida or a mental health diagnosis like depression or borderline or bipolar or it's or just... the laundry list of things. Yeah, it's just we, you know, it, and it's the thing of like, we're people, we, you know, we love doing things and you know, we, we find out that we have more things in common than we are different. <laughs> Um, and it's just, you know, even like you said, you know, you're a marketing person, you know, who, <laughs> you know, you, and a photographer, like, it's just, you know, there's so much more to, um, to everyone besides their diagnosis or in addition to their diagnosis. And it's just, um, getting to know that and getting to know the people who, you know, live with these, uh, you know, different diagnoses, I think is the way that we really, uh, get to uh, start changing the uh, conversation about uh, disabilities and mental health diagnosis and, and all of that, I think is, um, it's just so important that we, you know, have conversations and listen to people and hear them out. And so I, um, I'm very thankful <laughs> to have uh, shared this time with you. And I really, um, Look forward to meeting you in person <laughs> someday Me soon. Too, and just so you know, your face is like the kindest face I've ever seen. Oh, wow. You're so kind. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank you. I've never heard that before. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. It's You're really, very welcome. Thank you. I, I, um, you know, I really just, um, like I said, I, I just appreciate you for sharing your story. That's why I did not interrupt you. And I just, you know, let you, let you talk because it's all very, it's all very important um, information that people need to know about. And, um, you know, we need to hear more stories and, and just, it makes it more real, I think, because as we see on, you know, the TV, the commercials, or even, um, you know, TV shows, I think, um, Oh, what's the show called? A Million Little Things that was on. I love that show. I love that show. Uh, oh. I love it. <laughs> it's my heart every episode. Yes, it's such why a great I, show. Why do I keep doing it to myself? It's my question. <laughs> it's such a great show. Oh, and they so have. Good. And they, they actually uh, did it. They did everything pretty much justice, right? Yes. Like, I feel like they did a really good job of explaining, um, you know, they didn't shy away from it by any means. And I right. think that's what is super important is they're not sugarcoating it. They're not doing it. And I know people have problems with that. They had problems with um, 13 reasons why. Yes. But the people that had problems with 13 reasons why had problems with it because they've never been there. For me, it was, wow, someone gets it. Like mm -hmm. they understand it. But for other people, and I completely respect this, it's scary. You know, it's, it's a scary thing for people to understand or to think that somebody's mind can do that to them and stuff. So, you know, I just thank you so much for getting this out there and yes. anything I can do to help with your company or 
your mission or anything. I am here. But I well, thank appreciate you so much. Thank you. And I appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to me and I will definitely be in touch. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of the Our View podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Our View podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. New episodes will be released on the 15th and 30th of every month. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Our View for Life. That's O-U-R-V-I-E-W, the number four, L-I-F-E. Do you want to help change the tone of conversation among your family and friends? Head over to our website for some Our View merchandise. Our website is www.our-view.com forward slash merchandise. I thank you for listening. Have a great day and take care.